You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as this team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of I'll Hang Up and Listen, joined by producer Steve. The Colorado Avalanche are headed to the Stanley Cup Finals uh, with, ironically enough, a game-winning goal from Lakenen. Same guy who sent the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. Fun fact. Um, just an overall, like, game, first four, like, honestly, guys, first 40 minutes of the game were absolute bore factory, right, Steve? Like, like it's like you, you, this game could have went either way. Um, and then six goals in the third period. The floodgates just opened. And then an early overtime goal. Uh, by Lincoln in, in uh, for the Colorado Avalanche to send them to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, Steve, your opening thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, some similar thoughts there. I mean, you know, uh, Kel McCarr gets that early power play goal. You think, oh, boy, their stars are doing the things that they do. Uh, but, you know, yeah, a lot of shot attempts here and there. But, you know, relatively quiet first period after that. Uh, yeah, second period, the Oilers started running away with the game there. Three unanswered goals. Uh, and we thought that that was going to be the exciting part. And then the third period started and all hell broke loose. Uh, just absolute insanity. A- everybody that you want to see on the scoreboard for both sides are there. You know, two goals for Zach Hyman, a Connor McDavid tally, uh, four assists for Dreisaitl. Ryan Nugent Hopkins even gets some contribution out there. Obviously, Kelba Carr scores the first, then Devon Taves, Landeskog, McKinnon, like mm-hmm. Rantanen, you know, the whole, everyone on the top line is contributing. All the people that you expect to see contributing or doing what they get paid the money to do. And then, yeah, yeah, I mean, I haven't really seen any Oilers fans saying that they got robbed on that, like, you know, high stick call. At the, I, I, I feel like that that was right on the threshold of where it ought to have been to be called a good goal. I, 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 I don't think you could have challenged that too much harder than they did. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was right at shoulder height. And at that point, it's basically inconclusive whether you could really make the argument that it's higher, higher than his shoulder to the point that the goal should be taken away. I, th- I think they made the right call on the ice there and, you know, took about as much time as you want to, to review. Like if they waited like five plus minutes just to confirm that, yes, it was, right at the line of his shoulder and then, you know, delayed the celebration. That would have just been kind of. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, you know, up against it, you know, you have to do your due diligence there make sure the goal is good. I know I saw a lot of back and forth on Twitter, you know, you know, mostly, you know, people rooting for the Oilanders. Oilanders. I said Oilanders. Uh, <laughs> almost midnight. Almost midnight. Um, Dewey, uh, the Oilers are, you know, a lot of advocating. <laughs> For it to be no goal for obvious reasons, but 
yeah, I agree, man. Um, the, the height is the height of the crossbar, clearly below the crossbar. Um, easy yeah. call for me, but again, you got to do your due diligence, especially yeah, no. with such a uh, an important goal like that. Uh, you know, to send whichever team to our or the Avalanche to the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, how about just the play of Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale up until this point? I, I was, I was, you know, looking at their numbers. 33 and 32 points each, McDavid and Dreisaitl, in 16 games. And honest to God, you have – I mean, I think they it, – it's it blows my mind. They looked way too comfortable with a two-goal lead in the third period there because uh, defense just was out the window. And Mike Smith, just Mike Smith, you know, he'll he's the type of guy – again, I know he's, he's 41 years old. He's so far past his prime. But, you know, you got to come up with some saves there, bud. <laughs> like – you got to find a way to make a save in such a, a crucial moment there. Your, your season on the line, and he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it. And again, yeah. again, the defense did not do him any favors at all. But you got to come up with a save, bud. Yeah, definitely not tonight. I, I mean, I for the most part, I haven't had too many complaints about like what I've seen the defense do in the Oilers camp. Like you know, Darnell Nurse is playing fine. Tyson Berry's playing fine. Cody Cece's playing fine. Like. Those like top three of six guys are not playing like objectively bad defense. Like just tonight was, uh, you know, you really need them to, uh, you know, take a few block shots, you know, when it's a do or die game against a team as stacked as the Avalanche. And yeah, I don't want to say that like Mike Smith completely imploded like Tristan Jari in that one series, but it was kind of like somewhere between that bad and like, Maybe just like slightly less awful than the Sergei Bobrovsky performance we saw a couple of years past, where he was just like, yikes, big yikes, bad. It was it was bad. somewhere it was somewhere in between that Bobrovsky woof and then that Tristan Jari woof. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I could agree with you more. Yeah, t- yeah, tonight was just not Mike Smith's night, and unfortunately, he didn't have a choice. It had to be his night, and uh, you know, now we know why. That was it. Yeah, and bringing it up, uh, I'm gonna bring up right now the uh, the, the score sheet again. Four point nights from guys like McKinnon and uh, and Cal McCarr. Cal McCarr, man, I, I, I if they win the cup, even if they don't win the cup, I am hard, hard, hard pressed to not give that guy uh, the uh, Conn Smythe. Like he has just been an absolute wagon on the blue line for for the Colorado Avalanche. Just been so consistent. I don't know how many three and four point nights this guy has had um, since the start of the playoffs. And, you know, Darcy Kemper, when he was playing, you know, he played well, but at the same time, like he's not Vasilevsky. He's not uh, Shesterskin, you know, and same thing with Francois played well enough to win, but you, you've needed your playmakers and your elite players to produce. And Kel McCarr has just been an, an absolute electric factory just the start of the playoffs. And again, I guess it's another four point night tonight, you know, and not everything is always so flashy, you know, he, you know, he makes, he makes simple plays. He makes the right plays. Um, and then he makes the flashy finesse elite level talent plays. And he's just he's damn near perfect out there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to argue that uh Kale McCars is, you can't make an argument that Kale McCarr is not the Actually, future of the Blue Line. Five point like, night tonight. That means he must have assisted on the game winner. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, no, of course he did. He, uh, you know, that, that shot from the point was from Kale McCarr, so he got the primary yeah. assist on that. Um, yeah, but, you know, as a, it's it's hard to make an argument that Kale McCarr is not, like, the blueprint that every offensive defenseman is going to try to model themselves over yeah. for years to come. Um, and I hope that that uh, – I hope that the amount of money that he's earned kind of puts everybody else in perspective. It's like, yeah, he gets that contract because he's Kale fucking McCarr. Yep. You're going to get five to six. Assuming <laughs> NHL.com hasn't already updated their stats, which they probably haven't. He has <laughs> 22 points in 13 games as a or in 14 games as a defenseman, which is friggin' banana lands. Yeah. Uh, just an absolute. Just again. Best player on the ice for Colorado, you know. Irres- irresponsible, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I mean when you put something like that again, him and Devon Taves against, uh, you know, Duncan Keith. Islanders uh, fans hate their lives watching these playoffs, knowing that they let that guy go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Sorry, Dewey. That's rough, Sorry, buddy. Dewey. Sorry, Dewey. We got a new subscriber here. Uh. Matthew uh, Mondragon, hope I pronounced it right. Let's go Avalanche. I agree. I, I, I'm all on the bandwagon. I was actually rooting for the Oilers. Oiler, oh, I said it again, Oilers. Uh, Oilers <laughs> uh, to start the playoffs just because of the nice feel-good story with the young boy, Ben, who's been through so much in his life, kind of uh, been drawn as an inspiration for uh, – <laughs> For the uh, <laughs> for the <laughs> Oilers, yes, yes, the, the Oilers. Um, put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> but uh, the colors um, match; it's perfect. It would be, it would be. Um, but you know, he has drawn so much inspiration—not just the the team, but the fan base. So I, I was a little bit there on the Oil Oilers bandwagon, uh, just because of him. But uh, yeah. I think it's hard to bet against the Avalanche right now with how well they're playing. And maybe, again, this Rangers-Lightning series can go either way, man. It's 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 hard to call right now. Uh, Tampa Bay turned it on. They, they found their power play, uh, you know, in game three to, to win that game. Um, and the Rangers' power play has been almost virtually unstoppable. And I kind of said it to start that series. I think this series, you know, goaltending will not be an issue for either team. It's going to come down to special teams. Who who has the team that's going to produce more on special teams? Who's going to kill the most penalties? And right now it's been the Rangers. The Rangers have been, again, virtually almost unstoppable on the power play. But Tampa Bay had to be better on the power play, and they were in game three. And I think they need to carry that into game four to tie it up going back into New York. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, that, that again, that series can go either way. I, I think the, the, the star power, uh, it's, it's on the obvious side of Tampa Bay. Uh, which is Stairskin's needing to be channel his inner Dominic Hasek to steal that series for the Rangers, which he's been doing essentially. So I think without him, that could have been a sweep. But uh, the kid line has been producing for them as well, though. So it should be interesting, man. But uh, again, a couple clicks for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, great, great performance, uh, you know, finishing off the sweep. Being down for most of this game. Uh, 4-2, then scoring three unanswered goals, letting them come back and tie it, and then uh, winning it early in overtime. You know, good for them. Uh, Joe Sack has put himself together a phenomenal hockey team. And it was kind of like Stanley Cup or bust this year, right? You need to get to the finals. And, they, you know, they did it. 
yeah, I mean, this has been something that they've been uh, working towards for many, many years now. Like, more or less, the core of this team has remained the same for the past few seasons, and they've made more progress every year. Uh, I think I want to say last year was another uh, second-round exit. I think the year before that as well. So, yeah, I mean, to finally make it to the finals for the first time in a long time, but this is your core. I mean, that you know, this shouldn't really be a surprise to anybody. I mean, they're following the blueprint that, uh, you know, teams like the Lightning and the Blues have put together. Like, you need to be a complete team from top to bottom. And even if you have two of the best forwards in the league playing two point-per-games on average in the postseason, that is not enough. You need strong defense. You need a goalie that's going to show up every night. And that's ultimately what this came down to. Like, Darcy Kemper and Francois, when they're on, they're A-tier goalies. They're not quite that truly elite level. But when they're on their game, they're A. But then when they're off it, they're like a B. They're not horrible, but they're not, you know, stuff's getting past them that they might have caught on a better day. The disparity is that a guy like Mike Smith or Miko Koskinen like their their threshold is like their like peak is like an A minus, but then when they're off, it's like it can be a C, it can be a D, it can just it can just be you know trying to stop a beach ball and somehow failing, you know, and yeah. uh, and you know I mean obvious you know I we can criticize you know not building a complete team all we can't, but you know I mean yeah there was definitely a little part of me that wanted the Oilers to push farther than they did with those two incredible stars on their team, but I hope that you know getting that far this time instead of just getting swept by the jets or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. We got to keep that up forever. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of hope that that's like a wake up call that, you know, maybe they do need to start thinking about getting those glue guys. But I mean, the bigger question is uh, how do you do that? Uh, who, who stays, who goes, uh, do you see some of their slightly less productive skill forwards like uh pool Yarvi and Yamamoto search for greener pastures in exchange for some of those glue guys that you love so much that most teams like successful teams like these love so much the glue guys the guys that you know they might be in your middle six but you know night in and night out they're gonna fucking provide for you they might they might be there for a clutch pass that you know a lesser player is just not gonna make and that clutch pass is gonna lead to that game tying goal that saves your entire series saves your entire season and uh, I just don't think that – I guess they just don't have that third heat that you really need to push to that next level. And, again, you know, that's not to say that, you know, the Oilers played, like, a bad series. They played a, gr- they played a great series, but they just had to play it against what, what one of the strongest you, teams in the league, and they just couldn't ha- – What couldn't more ha- can you po- ask from probably the best two players in the world you, than what you got out of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? Like, what more could they have done? They, they like, yeah, no, they literally could not done a, a single thing more than they could. Yeah, like, they, they just they they were dog tired. Like you could see it in that third period. Like they were they were. I, I gotta see right, everything you know, they got. Quick, me, I gotta see his time on ice tonight. I, it had to be sick friggin. It has it has to be out of this world. Oh like not God. including overtime, you have to imagine McDavid just was because I know he he played on uh he started the game on a line with Leon and Polivari. Um, I just, uh, I have to see, uh, what his time on ice was. Cause that has to be insanity. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in that first game he was up like somewhere in like the 25 range. And well, that was like insane. McDav- McDavid, just after the first period alone, 
nine minutes and 36 seconds on the ice, just after the first period. Um, oh McDavid God. was on the ice for 26 minutes and one second, 31 total shifts. Cal McCarr, 28 minutes and 12 seconds, 38 shifts. Like, that's wild. Yeah, you're that's getting wild. the money for it. Honestly, I, I would have guessed over that, though, for McDavid. Honestly, I would have. Yeah, I mean, again, in every shift he's given it his all. Like, you really can't ask more of a superstar than that, for real. You can't. It's you absolutely really can't. insane. But, yeah, I mean, it just – again, you just – if you want to hang in the postseason, you got to build a complete team. And as much as I love those players, as much as I love some of those skilled guys, like, you know, I know I know he's not the flashiest player, but I really love players, you know, like Ryan Nutrihogan. Like, I like that mm-hmm. guy. I, I wish him nothing but the best. I just think he's – I don't know. There's just something about him. I just think he's a good dude. I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's in the no. shadow of two of the most elite forward talents on that team. Like, it, it, it's kind of hard to I, – I just feel like if a Ryan Nugent Hopkins type was playing in, like, the second or third pairing in Buffalo, mm-hmm. he'd be a – you know, he could, he could be all that and maybe even a bag of chips just comparatively. But, I mean, when you're in the shadow of two giants like that, it's – it's tough to get your name out there. Yeah. Uh, another question here from Matthew. Uh, do you think Nas comes back? Did he was he was it announced that he's done? Um, the, I think they announced that uh, he had a quick surgery to fix a broken thumb. They haven't complete. They haven't outright said that he's officially out. Out. But the problem the is, that it's, is that it's not looking good. That. Yeah. Thirty-five minutes ago, from Emily Kaplan with ESPN. Colorado Avalanche center Nazem Kadri underwent thumb surgery on Monday. Sources confirmed to ESPN. It's unclear if Kadri will be able to return for the Stanley Cup Finals after Colorado advanced there by sweeping the Edmonton Oilers on Monday night. Again, per Emily Kaplan. Um, you know, I, I think that if, if, if Kadri can play, he's going to play. He, you know, even if he's at 75%, uh, the Avalanche are still a better team with him out there. Like, just everything, everything that guy provides, just not his goal-scoring ability, just – you know, you know, he gets in the corners, he grinds, you know, he's not afraid to be physical. You know, we all know how he is in front of the net, um, you know, just creating havoc, uh, be, be getting in the the eyesights of uh, the goaltenders, uh, you know, the distractions he provides in front. You know, I should know all this lingo as a goalie. I just can't think of it right now. Uh, but just, you know, just he, he, the overall chaos – Nazem Kadri brings to the ice. I have to imagine him even at 75%, you know, makes that a better Oilers team. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think if not, I think if Kadri has the capacity to play even at half percent, uh, given, given his history of getting suspended in the Mm -hmm. postseason, I think if he has the physical capacity to play and no one's telling him he's not allowed to step on the ice, he's going to fucking do it. Uh, he might be serving in a bottom six role, so somebody with a little yep. bit less uh, injury can uh, take a spot on the. Because if we're not mistaken, he is a right winger or a left. Yep. Yeah, so uh, maybe like Nachus. Right now, <coughs> they had Nachuskin on that first line with uh, McKinnon, Landis Gog, and Burakovsky stepped in on that uh, second line, where I believe he's made his. Uh, where I believe he's made his bread and butter this year. So you know he might uh he might bump a buddy like uh Abe Kubel to play with a uh, comp for a new hook, which makes for a pretty darn good third line if 
you know, it's like a half capacity cadre with those two guys. I still think mm-hmm. that line could do some serious damage. Uh, no, right. So I, I just can't, I can't get enough of that. one. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, they have the good fortune of having all that extra time to rest now. So, I mean, he has more time to recover. He has the most possible time you could to recover to be back by game one. But yeah. even if he's not back until game two or game three, I mean, I think his presence is still going to be a big difference maker. I think he's going to, you know, even if he has to serve in like a third line role, I still think he's going to make a big impact more more than people realize, even yeah. with a busted thumb. Yeah, I, uh, you know, just looking at his numbers here, uh, 14 points in the 13 games played this year in the playoffs. Overall career, man, he's been close to a point per game player, uh, 43 points in 49 games played uh, over the course of his career. We all know he had like close uh, – at one point, he was considered, you know, in the MVP uh, race early on in the season with how well he was playing. Twenty-eight goals and eighty-seven points in seventy-one games over the season. Guy has just always been consistent, right? Like, you know, he provides a different dynamic to the game that maybe you don't see on charts or graphs. You know, just it, just again, overall, the ability to score goals. Like, you know, just, he's such an annoyance out there. He's a fly, right? He's a fly. Like, you know, and people hate to play against him, but you would love him on your team. Almost sometimes the way you say about Brad Marchand, but Marchand's just a little bit more of an elite level talent. Nothing against Kadri, because this has been really his out, uh, you know, his breakout year, so to speak. The one year that he'll finally cash in uh, come free agency, which I don't know if Colorado can afford to keep him around. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like uh, I feel like Col- I feel like Colorado has quite a few. They do have a considerable amount of cap space right now at twenty six million, but they do also have some uh, some other deals to consider. Yep. Uh, I mean, none of them are. I mean, I, I mean, the elephant in the room would be: may, do they decide to keep Darcy Kemper around, or does he walk out the door? Yeah. Uh, he, you know, I mean, they do have uh, Francois nestled in. Yeah, I think they're going to have to go find another goalie at two mil. Um, although, you know, it's entirely possible. I mean, some of the guys that they need to sign that seem like obvious. Yeah, of course we got to re-sign that guy, Lekkinen, uh, Burakovsky, uh, Nichushkin, of course. Uh, but are they willing to pay Kadri what he's going to demand in free agency at his age? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the big question. Uh, I guess, I guess, uh, it could be Not a situation like Jeff skinner right? Like, you know. Yeah, I, maybe not the exact same age, but I mean, maybe it is. I don't even know, but very Jeff Skinnerish. You know, when Skinner had his forty goal season playing on Eichel's wing, um, you know, very similar situation. Yeah, I mean, he could definitely get a fat raise if he wanted it, but if this is a team that makes a big league push, even if they don't, you know, maybe he signs for a few years at a little, not quite a haircut, but not the full peak of what he could make on the offseason with a team that just has endless cap space just so he can stay with a winner you know the mm-hmm. like how the Bruins built their franchise for the longest time like they got their big stars to sign for like yep. barely six or seven and I mean they're kind of doing the same thing here like yeah Nico Ranton it makes nine but Landis Cog makes seven flat McKinnon's got one more year at 6.3 obviously Kale McCarr deserves nine that's not even a fucking question but you know if uh if a guy like Kadri finds himself 5.5 just to stay with a group of winners for the next like four or five years, I mean, that's still a raise for him. He's, I think he's making four or five right now. 
So to get an extra mill, maybe throw some, you know, performance incentives where like, yeah, we make it to the Western Conference Finals again, you get an extra couple mil. Fuck it, let's go. Like, if the I guess if it were me, if I could be Nazem Kadri and keep playing with a team that I have chemistry with and I'm winning with, that I'm yeah. enjoying my role with, and maybe only make like five, six mil or make like seven to eight, just go into some team that is very clearly struggling, but also very clearly has the money to pay me exactly what I'm worth in the free mar- in the open market. Yep. I think I would make the choice to just stay with a bunch of winners and make a little less because I think ultimately while I make less money, I will, I would probably ultimately have more fun consistently winning. And I think that that's ultimately what this team is built to do. I mean, you know, Ranton in 25, Landis Goggs, 29, McKinnon's only 26, JT Comfer. Uh, he's yeah, he's locked in for another three years at one, 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 just barely over a million, and that kid's gonna be good as shit. Uh, yeah, I, I again, if I were Kadri's agent, as much as I would love to get a shit ton of money, I would also just love to stay with a team that's winning as much as this, and yeah. then throw, throw that little bit of extra money and maybe trying to nestle in a younger goalie goalie uh, contender to come. Yeah. Through, you know, if uh, if Buffalo nestles in a guy like Huso, maybe go after Campbell or vice versa. Well, if we you get, know, if we get one, you take the other. That's fine. They're both like twenty. I've seen, I've seen on Twitter. There's some speculation around Buffalo maybe being after a guy like Jack Campbell, which I wouldn't be against. You know, um, obviously he's coming from a team like Toronto, which is one of the higher scoring teams in the league, uh, to Buffalo, where maybe you don't have the advantages of you know having you know. The ability to give, you know, not I don't I don't want to say give up a bad goal, but um, you know, you know, or a bad goal, but you know, not have the uh, the luxury of a high scoring offense every single night to bail you out if you are having an off game. And then another thing was PK Subban, which is an interesting uh, thought. Um, I know he's very a very polarizing player, and people think that you know he's very himself. He self promotes a lot, which I have no problem with players who self promote as long as it doesn't distract you from the game or your team. And it would make sense because I had a feeling you're going to keep Malcolm Subban around. And, you know, it would make sense. Um, I, I, I never heard bad things about PK in the locker room. Um, it would be an interesting dynamic because I think I think Buffalo has a type of culture here where they're on the up and up, and maybe this is a place where PK can really find his game again. We'll see. Um, you know, coming from teams, you know, you know, playing well as well as he did in Nashville. And then I think where did he go after Nashville? He was with New Jersey. It was just New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I believe it was uh, Montreal for a really, really long time, then yep. Nashville, then Jersey. Yeah, I, I, I don't think there was another pit stop in there. Okay, uh, but, so I mean, yeah, New Jersey was just a struggling team, always found themselves in the bottom of the league, much like Buffalo. So, again, I don't know, you know, we expect this blue line to be a lot stronger next season. I don't know where a PK Subban would fit in if people think that he would fit in the top four. And that would slot a guy like Yoki Haru down, or if you would have uh, PK be your third, uh, a third uh, pairing guy. Who knows? I don't know. That's a lot, a lot to think about. And then again, Jack Campbell, he'd be a very good stopgap to the next guy. I don't. Again, I don't know if he would perform to the level with Buffalo as he did uh, in Toronto. Obviously, there's a lot less pressure in Buffalo than there is in Toronto. You know, being the hockey mecca. 
of uh, of North America. But uh, it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to believe that there'd be as much pressure. So maybe that would be to his advantage. But again, you would not have the high scoring ability of the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, being able to fall back on in case you have an off night or you're letting uh, um, a bad goal here or there. Um, but again, two very interesting names being thrown out there. Another question here from Matthew. Uh, do you think the Rangers will win their game? Ah. Um, uh, I think I think this goes back to New York Tide, personally. Yeah, uh, it's a really tough one to call. Um, I think both of these. I think both the Rangers and the Lightning are both strong in the exact same ways. Obviously, you have zero questions about what's happening between the pipes. Uh, you have all literally no concerns that the wheels are going to fall off for either one of those guys. Uh, both teams are touting some of the best defensemen of the league. I mean, Adam Fox is just – he's just silky smooth out there. You, you you can't really argue with a guy like Adam Fox. I mean, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pump the tires of a guy like Victor Hedman. Uh, I'm not TNT. I don't get paid that kind of money. Uh, they'll, they'll, do, they'll do that until the cows come home. I There's nothing that I could say about a guy like Victor Hedman that hasn't already been oh. said. And when, and when your team has a guy like – Sergachev is your third line guy. That says everything you need to know about how goddamn strong your decor is. Like, the, uh, the, not to interrupt you, but the, the, the Avalanche did touch the Claris S. Campbell Bowl. They touched it. So that's it's always you know speculated to be a bad omen uh, for anybody uh, who you know makes it to the finals. I remember that uh, Pekka wouldn't touch it. Um, I believe it was Pekka wouldn't touch it going into the finals when Buffalo made it. Uh, I was told by Joey Juno not to touch it uh, back in 99. But the Colorado Avalanche, multiple players did touch the Clarence S. Campbell Bull. You know, again, maybe useless fact, but uh, was touched by teammates, considered to be a bad omen. That's, that's, not the, that's not the trophy you're trying to win. It's the Stanley Cup, so you don't touch it. Hmm. Makes it interesting to present it then. Does somebody yeah. just hold it with white gloves? It's just like, does right? anyone want this? And there's thanks, but no thanks. You can, you can give it to the runner-up. I don't want it. McKinnon's touching it. Landis Cog is touching it. And I don't know about anybody else, but those two for sure did did touch the trophy. All right. Burakovsky, breakout, breakout series here. Yeah, we'll see what happens. He's going to score two goals but, a night. Calling it. Burakovsky yeah, so. and Nitrishkin. They're going to be the heroes because uh, apparently McKinnon and Landis Cog are going to be cursed now. If any sports superstitions are truly real, they're they're at least going to be cursed until Kadri comes back. And then yeah. Real quick before we wrap things up here, again brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case. Goal scorers for the Avalanche tonight: Cal McCarr with a goal and four assists for five points. Uh, the captain Gabe Landis Cog goal and two assists for three points. Lakenden goal two assists for three points. Helm with an assist for one app for one point. McKinnon with a goal. Ranton with a goal. Teus with a goal. Uh, and then Francois with uh, 30 saves on 35 shots against. And then the Oilers. Uh, again, admiral effort. Trizadel with four assists tonight. McDavid with a goal and two assists for three. Uh, Zach Hyman with two goals. Tyson Berry with an assist. Zach Casting with a huge game-tying goal there in the third period. Uh, Nugent Hopkins with a goal and Darnell Nurse with an assist. And then, uh, again, Mike Smith 
36 saves on two, uh, 42 shots against. Uh, just need to be better. He just, he just got to be better. So, um, again, yeah. he left the two goals I think he wants back. And then, again, in a, in a game where you're seizing the line, you, you have to make those saves. Yeah, it's a, but, again, I mean, it's a tall order against a team that good. And again, 100%. They, yeah, yeah they've, been, they've been building up this forever. You know, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he hung up his skates after this one, but I could also – See him thinking maybe he's got one more year to try to prove something. Next year, watch. Elite tandem of Craig Anderson and Mike Smith. Oh my God. Could you imagine like 83 or 84 years between the two goals? That'd have to be a record, right? That would have to be a record. Yo. They brought back Craig. I would want them to do one of those those sexy Playboy calendars, but it's only Craig Anderson and Mike Smith. None of the young kids. None of the actual studs. Just the two fucking just the two fucking dads. Oh my god. It's just family photos. (laughs) Because Mike Smith kind of looks like uh, the butcher from AEW, and then Craig Anderson just looks like just looks like the dad handing out orange slices at the local soccer game, you know? Like, what a nice guy. Right. But, uh, that... Did you see Ryan Whitney got stuck at the airport in Toronto? Did you see any of that? <laughs> nah, I didn't see any of that. Oh, time. dude, it was uh, – any of those watching, take a, take a look when you get a chance for, uh, you know, at some point. So Ryan Whitney, I was just sitting here, got stuck at the airport in Toronto for like two days, and he like live streamed himself the entire time he was there. <laughs> And it like made national news. Like he was, it was so bad. I guess. Fuck. Like what? What was he using? Like Air Canada? Like what's going? How do you get trapped in an airport for two full days? I don't know. I guess his flight was delayed, then canceled, and then he came back the next day, and nothing was sorted out. Um, so, I, I'm trying to find out. Let me see here. I'm trying. I'm trying to find out. It's over. What did they? Trying to find. This was his last tweet on the matter. It's over. I want to thank everyone for their T's and P's. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, thoughts and prayers. And the amazing Chicklets listeners who reached out to help. Best fans on earth. The exact opposite of Pearson International Airport. God bless anyone who has sort of stepped foot in that hellhole. <laughs> I live at Toronto uh, Pearson International Airport. The worst place on earth. I smell so bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most airports are not a fun place to be. Uh Philly airport isn't all that great. I, I I just don't think public transit spots are just a fun place to have to spend any amount of time, like more than like an hour. That's why, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to going to Portland this summer, but I'm also not yeah. looking forward to layovers for multiple hours. I hear the Chicago airport isn't half bad, but still, though, I don't really want to do that. It's going to be a whole thing. Here, another tweet from it. Not exaggerating, I have never seen a crazier scenario at an airport. Pearson has about 100 canceled flights and hundreds of people in lines with one and it, with one Air Canada worker at the end. There cannot be more than five people working here. I'm going to have a viral meltdown that is not good. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Ryan Whitney's going to have his own Karen moment. Uh, oh, my God. Anyways, so five people working. How do you ask to see the manager? The manager, I know, right? Not, Who I, is the manager? They send you. They send you the Burger King. You talk to their manager. Yeah, no, they'll just be like, uh, "Which LA's manager?" I, I think. I think our manager's having lunch at the uh, airport. Chili's. <laughs> he's the guy there eating wings with ranch. You he's can't. On a, he's on his seventh rum, uh, captain and coke over there. 
Oh my god. <laughs> so, and then uh, Ray uh, Ryan walks off. He goes, "Yo, Pig went. He sucks." Starts the conversation. Starts the conversation off real well. Anyways, guys, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Glad we could get on here, uh, Steve. Get this done. Uh, yeah. Remember, it's brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on George Urban Boulevard. Uh, make sure you get over there and uh, pick out your favorites for game night, you know, coming in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, a lot to be excited about. We'll see who pulls out this Rangers-Tampa uh, Bay series, and then we'll see who moves on to play the uh, the Oilers in the Finals. No, no, uh, the Oilers got eliminated. It, it's, the Oilanch, the Oilanch. All right, so, all right, so it's either – the storm of the century, the avalanche versus the lightning, or it's the ravage. You like you take like the RA from Rangers, yeah. Throw at, throw the Av in there. The ravage rampage or the storm of the century. I don't know which yeah. one it's going to be. Uh this might this might be a controversial take, but it just might be the Rangers. I I I think back to back playoff runs might finally be catching up with the Lightning. I think I think they just might not have the jump in their step. I think it's going to seven games without a doubt. Yeah, but I think sure. the Rangers are just going to have that little bit of extra juice. Yep, to step it just above. Yep, and thanks obviously for hanging in there with us. People who have watched, including our newest subscriber, Matthew Mondragon. Uh, thanks, bud for sticking there with us. And again, this was I'll hang up and listen. Colorado Avalanche on their way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Who will be meeting them there? Will it be the New York Rangers or the Tampa Bay Lightning? Uh, we'll find out tomorrow whether that game, that series will be tied or uh, heading to New York with a 3-1 to one series lead for the Rangers. Uh, Steve, thanks for hopping on, guys. Again, this is Always. I'll hang up and listen. You guys have a great morning now. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwrecksports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. I wanna live at the Blue Hotel.
the podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.